everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts, corrupts, corrupts. Hello and welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode 41. I'm your host, M, and with me is my number one, Jackson. Hello, it's time to talk about Star Trek. It's Discovery Week 3. Discovery's back! Yeah. Did you can... watch any Voyager this no, week? No, um, we've been I, really no, busy. I, I tried, I tried to watch um, one episode, uh, episode 8, but it's really bad, so I didn't even make it all the way through. It's Which really bad. Is this? The one where Tom Paris is on a fake murder trial. Oh, <laughs> yes, it's really funny, though. Fuck, it's, it's, okay, it's pretty funny, but who is bad? Yeah. It's not a good episode. I mean, you say the words Tom Paris episode, yep. you know you're not in for a good time. Um, oh, Tom Paris murdering over this, like, tiny relationship that he had with the random woman of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Tom Paris. Shaking my head. Yep. Uh, but that's the widest Star Trek. And there's just Discovery this week, really. Yeah, and no, 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 I'm not watching any Star Trek either, so. Yeah. Lots going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's just get into this episode. Fuck it. Uh, yeah, this it's going to be a short episode one. is episode three of Discovery. It's called Point of Light. It aired on the 31st of January 2019. It was written by Andrew Colville. It was directed by Olatunde Osunsami. It takes place in the year 2257, also known as Stardate 1029.46. Yes. When did Stardates get invented if these are so low numbers? Uh, the Stardates are on a different system between um, the original series and um Okay, because I know that the original series is like, they're in the like 3000s, right? And then like TNG is like in the five digit numbers at that point. Um, Possibly. I, I know that the TNGs are like four something. They're always in, they've always begin with a four. Yes. Um. Yeah, they are five digit point one decimal place numbers mm-hmm. um whereas the tos are four digit and one decimal place numbers yes okay yes they did totally change this but yes tos numbers oh there's no consistency between them because it's tos so that makes sense um and then like in the star trek movies where you'd think they would care about this sort of thing they are in the eight thousands nine thousands and then tng it immediately goes up to like thirty eight thousand something yeah, my assumption is they just change the system for the TNG. It's what, that's always what I think. If I'm wrong, then, you know, yeah. uh, I'm not checking that deeply. But um, yeah. star dates. They, they really weren't checking when they made TOS. They didn't give a shit. <laughs> no, they really didn't. Um, uh, I mean, honestly, most of this seems like nobody gives a shit about the star dates. Let's be real. That's true. Um, Jackson, what happens in this episode? fuck me i don't know <laughs> uh so this is a this is a wild episode of television we have uh three completely disparate plot mm, th- three disparate plot yeah three completely disparate plots uh that never really interact apart from a couple scenes um should we do the should we separate the plots out uh or should we try to cover the episode as a whole because i don't i, don't I think we should separate the three well. plots out because otherwise this will be madness for like an right. hour so. so we'll do the two discovery plots first and then we'll tackle chronos yeah um, i think that's the way to go so first of all um burnham uh is on the bridge and they have found that there's, there's a ship coming in, in and burnham's like oh that's sarek's ship i bet i know who's going to be on board just like last time she has no idea who's going to be on board uh sarek does not be on board it's amanda amanda's here with spock's medical records being like i stole these you need to like hack into these so we can find out what on earth is going on um and they have a big, <laughs> a really good scene with Pike where they're all kind of talking around, do we do this? And they call up the medical base and they're super shady and clearly Section 31 is involved. They're like, oh, we don't, we are investigating into this. Um, Spock definitely killed some people, killed his doctors and ran away. And we've sent, uh, we've, we've got people on it and you don't have to worry about that. And they're all like, this seems shady as hell. We're going to hack into these medical records. Uh, so they do. Uh, while Amanda and... Um, Michael gets some good bonding. Um, I'm very glad Amanda gets to be more of a character now. Uh, and 
uh, as they hack into his medical records, they see the red angel, drawings of the red angel as they are talking, like appear in the background. A very like well done, creepy moment. Um, uh, they see some Warframe concept art up on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, no. Anthem, install us now. <laughs> yeah. It just looks like every sci-fi feature military video game concept art of, like, the mystical, like, energy villain. Yeah, it's 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 slightly mystical, but hard sci-fi enough that there's, like, deniability there. Yes. Uh, it just looks like video games in a way it, that I find <laughs> extremely obnoxious. Um, I, the art itself is whatever. Uh, I like yeah. the moment where the, they're going through records and having their conversation, and suddenly all the like there, uh, monitors there's on a the ton wall of pictures go red. And some of them are like really good. Like some of them are like very traditional, like pencil sketches. Some of them yes, are like kids' drawings, really like. and then they end on the dumbass concept art. I hate <laughs> so. Which like implying that as Spock gets older and he keeps drawing this red angel, he's like got better at drawing, and eventually becomes yeah, no, like. like a- Pen Spock. <laughs> yeah. Like Spock going off to, you know, do concept art uh, on Destiny 3. Um, anyway. Uh, as they Logically, this- it dictates the Traveler would be evil. <laughs> there's, some, there's some real classic logically uh, logic moments in this. A man is like, logically, I stole his medical records. Very logically. It was the only logical thing to do. We have to hack into them logically right now. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Amanda, we'll finish this up and we'll talk about this stuff. Finish up. Yeah. So uh, as they are doing this... Um, uh, she's like, we need to find out what's going on with Spock. Why could he have done this? I don't think he did this. This has to have this. Clearly, some some shady shit going on here. Something has happened, but it's not. I don't think he's become a murderer, and we're going to find out what happened to him. Why did the Red Angel like make him withdrawn and uh, as a as a kid? Why did that like break our relationship? And Burnham's like, uh, yeah, no, that was me. That was my bad. Um, I I've kind of fucked him over in order to draw my attention uh, like their the logic extremist attention away from him basically as a visible political vulcan family uh michael burnham did some unknown pretty shitty stuff to spock in order to like ensure that everyone would be more fine in the long run thinking it was the right thing to do uh and now he will never talk to her again because uh, he hates her for it so i wonder what that is i'd like to know i know this is what the series is about Yes, and then Amanda's like, get fucked, I love you, but get fucked, and then takes the file and walks out of this episode. Yeah, it's really good. She just leaves. Like, God, I feel very bad for Amanda. Uh, You know, she's she's in a tough position, but she's a tough lady. That's true. Uh, So this is the the least of these three, uh, like, things. Uh, Amanda's great. Mia Kirshner is killing it. I love her take on this character as, like... You understand how she could be, like, an, a Vulcan ambassador's wife and, like, just very logical and good in the right situations, but doesn't believe in it in any real way. She is just the most human person. Mm-hmm. Which checks out with Sarek. Yep. <laughs> uh, the way, yeah, the, the way that this stuff um, fleshes out just that whole family is very good. The mm-hmm. ideas of them being this visible political family having to deal with the Vulcan bullshit on top of their own lives. Yes. Where is Cybok? Is what I want to know. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah. Also, just like Sarek is, they are both like really honest with Burnham. Like they just approach her like another adult that they respect in a way that I think is like really good. And yes. the amount that Burnham can't re- give that back to Amanda specifically, even though she does give it back to Sarek, is interesting. Um, he didn't quite get. I mean, she she keeps the information from both of them. Yes, but like the way in which she doesn't want to tell it to Amanda reads is very differently than how she doesn't want to tell it to Sarah. Oh, like with yeah. Sarah, she's like, I don't want to talk to you about this. And he's like, okay, in time you'll tell me or you won't. And with Amanda, she's actively trying to keep stuff from her until she has to admit stuff in a very like human parental relationship way. Because mm-hmm. they have that moment earlier on in the scene where they're like, things are weird, it, things are Vulcan, I had to make sure Spock stayed traditional, uh, and so we were like always closer as these like two outsiders on this planet. Uh, and then she's like, that's cool. I really hurt uh, my brother. <laughs> and yep. oh, so, yeah, I, I like all this relationship, the fraught relationship with this family. Uh, I'm glad they're doing very interesting things. Uh, How old do you think Spock is family. in this, by the way? I mean, we can check. Because <laughs> Mia Kirshner is uh, 44. She's like 10 years older than Michael Burnham's actress. How? Well, she's clearly like meant to be playing older in a Star Trek yes. sense. 
But the question becomes, is Spock, like, in his early 20s? Did she have Spock when she was 20? Like, I know that Star Trek ages are a little weird, but they're not super, super weird, especially not in this era. Um, I mean, they it's get not like, when... it's not like John Lucard is secretly 80 years old, kind of weird, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, they get weird once you get Sarek involved, because Sarek's yes. like 90 at this point. Yeah, there's just the like weird nebulous question of, did Sarek like go and marry a 20-year-old? Um, I mean, he had to rebound from the, the, the Vulcan prince, princess. Yes, that's true. I guess he was <laughs> rebounding from a Vulcan princess. Star Trek's <laughs> stupid. We cannot forget how before all this he was uh, hooking up with a Vulcan princess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know what's uh going on with that stuff um i assume that spock is going to be in because because michael burnham is like late 20s right at this point yes like 29 ish is my guess she was on the i i read it as she's on the show for seven years and it's kind of now another year past that uh and that would have been when she like right after she didn't get into the academy so that would have been like, uh, she is she is thirty one uh, canonically in the show. Okay, that's slightly older than I expected. Yeah, um, uh, Sneaker Barton Green is thirty three. So, yeah, no, I mean she's older. Yes, <laughs> uh, but just get going by the timeline, I didn't know how that exactly lined up. Yep. Um, so I assume if she's a- a- around thirty one, then Spock would be in about like definitely mid twenties then. Yeah, because uh, she's like older than him. Um, so Amanda's just older up. than she looks in the show. Yes. I think we just have to do Star Trek ages on this thing. Yep. Yep. There's no birth uh, date for Amanda Grayson, unfortunately. So Unfortunately, no. Um, yes. And then we get to the second plot, uh, which is Commander Tilly uh, doing her... Beginning with a scene where they're just showing off uh, as they have a half marathon in their new running sets. So what I want to know is why the half marathon team just runs around the ship with it being spooky. Like, why is the herald of the marathon team, all the lights dim and it looks like something bad's about to happen? Uh, Well, you know, that's because something bad's about to happen. (laughs) Yes, in this instance it is. But most of the time they're probably doing this for like an hour every day, right? And, and, And so everyone just walking through the ship has to have the lights dim and the computer go, make way for the half marathon team. Uh, the diegetic questions this raises as regard to lighting protocol for the command track. Yes. Oh, uh, when we, w- remind me when we get to the end of the Klingon plot about lighting protocol on Starfleet ships. <laughs> because I have some questions. We have some questions? Okay. Um, so, uh, Tilly is on the command track and... We have a classic case. Oh, wait a second. We have to go back for just a second. The part where they go and talk to Pike about this and just admit that they stole this thing and Pike's like, um, hmm, shit, what do I do about this? Why did you bring this to my attention? And then immediately goes and like, they think he's going to give them up to the guy that she stole these documents from. Uh, And then that guy chides Pike for using screens because who uses screens anymore? (laughs) Which well, is very funny. Explain, explain why people are using screens in this show. Especially since it signposts a ridiculous scene in our third storyline. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Yes. Anyway. Like, anyway, yes. Tilly's running through the ship. Tilly's running through the ship. And if you remember last week, uh, she was seeing her dead ghost friend. Uh, that is continuing. Yes. Um, she keeps seeing this, this ghost running around. But the ghost is now... Um, doing like yeah like belligerent and being like hey you gotta do stuff i need to speak the captain he's not the captain i want the captain is different he's whiter and blonder and i'm like oh you mean stamets she's clearly a spore she means stamets uh tilly takes a long time to figure this out i had the brief weird moment where i was like is she thinking of jason isaacs and harry potter (laughs) (laughs) yeah no a fucking malfoy shows up because I was like, Lorca doesn't have blonde hair, but but Lucius Malfoy sure does. The worst wig in the history of wigs. <laughs> this is an incredibly stupid thing to think in the Star Trek moment. I'm glad that Harry Potter has poisoned your brain this much. <laughs> this is what happens when you listen to a weekly Harry Potter podcast. They don't even talk about Lucius Malfoy. He's barely in the where they're no, at No, but yet. you think about him every time because he's Jason when Isaacs in the Jason stupidest Isaacs, wig. I think of, yes, I think of Lucius Malfoy. It's the one Harry Potter thing I think of a lot. Yeah, because look at him. Yes, look at him. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, no, so that's what's going on with her. And then we have a real case uh, of uh, classic Star Trek plotline where one character is in a Star Trek plot but refuses to tell the other characters who are also in Star Trek plots because they might not believe a Star Trek plot is happening. Um, where she's shouting at Pike on the bridge. <laughs> so she goes to the bridge uh, and she's got like a command there thing is, has to sit in the there chair. There is an amazing shot where it pans across the command track candidates and so it's like may ahern like three cadets and then it like as it pans to the other end it's may ahern and then it cuts to like a reverse shot of the back of them all and there's just three people standing there it's incredibly good at being like a creepy ghost thing yeah i hope that was done by having her just run no absolutely not <laughs> i would have done it that way there's, a, there's enough time in that slow pan yeah maybe um you gotta you gotta have some of the low-tech stuff yeah, fair enough. Um, so, so yeah, so she's doing this this, uh, this like exercise on the bridge, having to like uh, analyze the captain's chair, sitting it for a bit, uh, and she starts yelling at Pike, but she's actually yelling at the ghost in her head, being like, "Why? Why don't you go away? I don't trust you." Uh, and Pike's like, "What is happening here?" Um, and so she just r- runs out, leaves. Um, and I was like, "I guess I quit. I quit the program. This is too weird." Uh, and then Saru comes to talk to her. Uh, because Pike's not touching this with a ten foot pole. <laughs> and uh, Saru, Saru she, at first she goes and talks to Michael Burnham. Is what happens. Is that come first? I thought that was the yeah. hard to hold this a structure of this episode in my head. Um, yeah, no. She goes. She barges on Michael Burnham, who's crying because of the stuff with her mom that went down. Um, and she's like, she's like, oh, I need to talk to you. Something's wrong. And then Michael Burnham sits up. And is like, what is it? And then she's like, wait, have you been crying? She's like, no, I asked you first. You have to go. <laughs> this is not my plot. <laughs> yeah, I swear there was a Saru scene before this. I don't think so. Because um. then she goes to Saru in the in the um. Because Burnham's like, you need Stamets, and she goes sees Saru in the engineering deck or whatever. Oh, is, is a Saru and Stamets stuff together? Okay, I mean, I only watched yes. it yesterday, but this episode because it doesn't have a central plot or structure, just it's just three yes, things. The happening. Saru, the Saru stuff is in engineering. When that's okay. Well, anyway, she so that scene happens. They they're like, you obviously need Stamets. She's obviously talking about the ghost is talking about Stamets. Uh, it's a spore situation. It handily fla- uh, flashes back to that time she had that single green spore land on her. Yeah, I guess I remember that. Yes. Um, but then the ghost is like, what is this? Why are your eyes watering? And uh, she's like, I'm crying, you idiot. And Burnham uses her extreme science powers to deduce a very simple plot of this thing doesn't know what crying is, so it can't be a ghost and it can't be you being crazy. It has to be a m- malevolent alien force. <laughs> Which, like- fair enough. I'm pretty sure this is the literal plot of like the dark page in TNG. <laughs> um, she, she says, uh, I'm a biologist as a joke. <laughs> Yes. She's not actually saying she knows this because she's a genius biologist. She's just like, I've oh, I know, but she's like, what What teenage girl has never cried before? I know, I'm a xenobiologist, and it's very ridiculous. It's like Star Trek signposting how ridiculous Star Trek yes. plots are in a way that I enjoy, but it is oh, yeah. also that. It is very ridiculous. As Teddy's like, oh, I'm just having a, th- I'm just having a Star Trek plot. I'm not going completely bonkers. And everyone's like, no, you're not. Um, you have to understand, so, you're on the ship that the show's named after. This is going to happen every week, Tilly. You just yeah. need to talk to somebody. Uh, I need, um, who wants to read my fucking uh, Commander Tilly, uh, Mars O'Brien fanfic? God. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, one time uh, I was in a prison for a year, one week. Yes. It was more than a year. It was like 14 years. Was it 14 years for one week? I, I think it was a long time. They I think didn't it was erase that, did they? Year. No, he just has that. <laughs> That's like how in Doctor Who, between episodes, someone spent 2,000 years sitting by a box. Um, yeah. I don't... I'm going to find out how long this was. Okay. Oh, uh, Vamp, just keep talking about uh, Tilly. All right, I'll just keep talking about Tilly. Uh, this plotline's plot great, because then what happens is they go to the um, uh, the engineering deck, and they start sciencing and doing it, and the... the um, like the, the the ghost spore entity keeps getting more and more belligerent, and Tilly keeps ignoring him. Like we're gonna get rid of you, we're gonna take it out of the body. And at this point, I'm like, oh, you're not gonna do the Star Trek thing and start talking to it. You should probably say uh, you can you can communicate with it right now. You should start having uh, seeing what it wants and why it wants it. Uh, it was 20 years that Miles O'Brien was in brain jail. 
That is longer than he was on both shows combined. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Never mentioned again that he was just, he remembers being in prison for 20 years and murdering his best friend while in there. Longer than both shows. <laughs> it might be the most dramatic, aside from Picard learning how to play a stupid fucking flute. It's like the most <laughs> dramatic thing that's ever happened to someone in a Star Trek episode. And it's never touched on again. Uh, do you want to make it clear to the possible hypothetical big TNG fans listening? <laughs> they don't actually hate the inner light. <laughs> no, but it's the one like ridiculous thing that happens with a Star Trek character that they make sure to bring back like poignantly again, where he plays the flute with that girl he's about to fuck in the fucking <laughs> Jeffrey's tubes. I barely think of the inner light ever. I do think of that scene where she rolls out her flat piano. <laughs> in the yes. Jeffrey's that does tell you a lot about my like relationship with Star Trek, is that's the scene I think of. Yep. Not the other light. Whatever the no. hell that. Yeah. Never. <laughs> God, O'Brien. But yeah, twenty the, years. <laughs> twenty years. He is. They, they get him back, but he doesn't. Also, he died at one point. He did die. I mean, he watched a robot replica of himself die. That's not the same thing. No, it was a transporter thing, and he in the real one died. The duplicate stayed, or whatever. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. That that a hundred. I have to. Okay, I'll have to revisit that episode. No, because he he he's like, oh, what happened? He like the episode is entirely from the point of view of what is revealed to be a murder robot replica of O'Brien, but he dies watching the real O'Brien come into the room and like watch his replica die. Uh, are you talking about the twenty year episode? What? You talking about the one? This this are you thinking the same episode? No, no, no. This is a different episode. There's the brain jail episode. There's the episode where he's super paranoid about people on the ship because it turns out that he's like a fake replica and then he dies at the end and the real O'Brien watches his replica die. There is no transported duplicate O'Brien episode. Are you sure? Almost positive. I just watched DS9 last year, Jackson. No, I'm, no you've got a vamp. <laughs> okay. Anyway, they, they're like, oh, you should really talk to the spore inside of Tilly, but Tilly's like, get, or Stamets is basically like, this is really going to hurt without any sort of, like, testing or anything. He just points the giant, like, Ghostbusters vacuum at her and sucks this giant glob of gross shit out of her body, um, which is amazing in that it's the grossest thing that's been in Star Trek. And last season, we had people turned inside out. Uh, and in uh, what's a conspiracy, there was that giant predator head that came out of the guy's chest and they blew up his head. Um it did happen. Yes. Uh, and so they have this captured in a little bubble because they have the containment fields are just like cool little bubbles now. I, I like that, actually. I think it's cool. Um, and they just have this in the ship now to be dealt with in a future episode. The preview implies that they are going to deal with it next episode, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, did you find what you're looking for? Uh, after an accident aboard the station, it wasn't a transporter accident, you're right. It was uh, uh, After an accident aboard the station in 2371, O'Brien was temporarily shifted forwards in time by a few hours. He died when he deliberately contaminated himself to determine the, what caused the events he had witnessed. He sent his future counterpart back in his place. So, Because yeah. I remember that one as being weird because... But he doesn't, like, it's not, the, it's not quite the same thing. Not quite the same thing, but it does have the thing where the fake the o'brien coded as fake in the episode is the one that survives and everyone just carries on as normal yes but the difference between them is not like super dramatic yeah yeah but i just remember that being like a really weird like we're not going to talk about this no one's going to mention this all right sure anyway star trek's fun the stuff that happens to o'brien that man should be in therapy for the rest of his life uh o'brien would never talk he loves his wife uh yep these three things we've just mentioned happened to him and the actual thing that they ever like play off of is like remember when this happened to O'Brien is the time he went undercover and made friends with this criminal who had a cat and a family that he liked god that's the thing they put <laughs> Deep Space Nine's a weird television show <laughs> yes god O'Brien was an undercover agent for like section 31 or some shit for a little while uh Imagine I don't Karen. think they were Section 31. I think they were something else. But they, were they hadn't thought like, of Section 31 yet. Yeah, they're basically like Starfleet CIA agents. But the good ones, not the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> He's not Malcolm Reed. <laughs> yeah. DS9 sometimes is a mess. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. they pull the thing out of Tilly and it's on the ship now. That's what happens. That's the end of this. She, she's I'm not going to see the ghost anymore. Not going to see the ghost anymore. Everything's fine. The plot the is ghost, completely unresolved. The ghost unresolved. really wants to talk to Stamets, though, so they sh that should probably happen soon, because I'm sure that it's very important. <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, I'm like, 
it was something, and it's clearly being a shitbag to Tilly, but you probably should have asked it some questions. She had just um, pushed Tilly too hard, which makes sense, because she had definitely pushed Tilly too hard. Oh, yeah, no. Um, but they should find a new, uh, presumably not already sentient communication host for this Spore situation. Yes. Uh, and see what it wants, like yeah. like Star Trek. Uh, so that's that plot, but that that that's all. That does none of that really matters. Let's get These to the meat of the These are the B and C plots. These are the B and C plots. The A plots. On Kronos, Lorel is uh, the chancellor. Because uh, yes. remember when she used the bomb to make everyone respect her? Well, let's Last see how well that goes Last season on for Star her. Trek Discovery, but in Klingon. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, oh, sorry, this is TOS era Klingonese. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, so she's, uh, you know, doing her thing, being Chancellor, making everyone respect her, but that's not going too well because, you know, she's on Klingon and all the Klingons are like, I will challenge you for power. Excuse me, she's on Klingon, Jackson. Oh, fuck. I'm tired. She's 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 within the Klingon plot. She's on Kronos. I do know this. You know I know this. <laughs> From the planet Kling herself, Laurel. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, she has um, made her grand plan uh, to m- continue to have uh, the Vok Ash it's, it's, it's Ash Ash won the personality battle Vok's like there and reacts to things but Ash is the dominant personality Ash specifically states that he can access Vox's memories when he wants to yeah he can like tap into that side but it, it's, it's mainly Ash also um, he can fight like a Klingon he's presumably as strong and capable as a Klingon warrior yes uh that is just true yes so um she's uh she's made him a torchbearer that's uh not going well <laughs> yeah you uh, forgot her like main plan which is she shows much like star wars prequels a holographic projection of the d7 klingon battle cruiser from the original series and is like this will have no symbol but the symbol of the empire this will unite us all our cool ship from the other show <laughs> She does do that. And Obi-Wan is in like a tractor beam turning around, being like, what's yes. that? Uh, and then we meet the shitbag of this episode, which is Cole Shaw, the father of Cole. You might remember last ep- last season, the guy with the face paint, played by the same actor, wearing basically old age version of that makeup. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, he is taunting Laurel, being like, what is this guy? Why have you got a human in your ranks? Uh, and Lorel's like, excuse me, I'm the Chancellor, this is Vok anyway, and uh, he does my dirty work, so get fucked. Uh, they go away after a short fight uh, where Ash asserts his dominance um, and get into some of the tensions driving them. Uh, specifically, uh, Lorel's like, take off that face paint in the council chambers, we don't have the houses like we used to, and then Ash Tyler rubs the face paint off of him on like by force, which is important to the plot. Very important to the plot, yes. Um, uh, so then Lorel and Ash talk about their, their tensions, uh, which is that Lorel really just misses Vok a lot, and Ash is like, I'm still not Vok, and you can't just force yourself on me all the time, that yes, makes I me still very have, uncomfortable. I still have the memories where you, like stripped all my body parts out and put me back together again it's a problem when i look at you i see a lot of trauma uh yeah and Lorel's like well i'm sorry i guess um this isn't this isn't a great situation uh, but we'll deal with it we'll work it out uh then uh ash was like well i need to tell burnham about what's going on here keep everyone abreast of the situation uh he's like yeah there's some tensions going on in the klingon empire nothing too bad uh but you should probably let the federation there just keep everyone informed of what's going on um, this is important to the plot for that reason, but it's important to the episode because it's a ludicrous shot where it starts out and they're both holograms in each other's um, room. And then there's a profile shot where they fade both the shot sides of the shot together like those. Um, uh, I actually don't think they I don't think they ever do that in the in Return of, uh, in uh, The Last Jedi. Uh, I think that, that's all shot reverse shot there, but it's yeah, a similar shot reverse shot, but it's literally like half Burnham's quarters, half the like flaming ash villa of the Klingon Empire, which is amazing. It's like the most ludicrous set I've ever seen. Uh, and like you can tell the effects team really went to work on the shot because they've made sure to like have like wisps of smoke on Burnham's side as well. Uh, <laughs> I suspected that they built a hybrid set for this shot, but maybe not. No fucking way. Okay, maybe not. 
There, I just no assume it'd be way. I assume it'd be more expensive to do the CG, but maybe I'm wrong. There's no way in a million years that this was a hybrid set. Okay, we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. I guess I, I don't. I don't disbelieve you. I just had assumed it was built that way, but maybe it wasn't. Unless this Klingon set is just a like smaller redress of that, or because of that uh, of that room already, mm-hmm. uh, which I could like if they remove the walls and just put in the thing, I, I could see that. But no, I, I think this was a effect shot. Yep. There's a lot of effect shots in the show. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. So then, uh, Ash discovers he finds um who to he finds Lorel's uncle. Yeah, he goes to Laurel's uncle, who is they, like they've just been like cold sh- shouldering him this entire time, um, and he's taking it really personally, thinking they don't like me because I look like a human. Um, this is the head of the house, Matoy something M. Mm-hmm. I, I want to find this because uh, they're the people who did this to Ash Tyler, with like yes. the like all of the their science. Um, house of where is it? House of Mokai. House of Mackay, yes. Yes. So he literally goes up to them with a knife and is like, look, if you're not going to, like, at least talk to me, we're going to fight because I'm tired of this. Yep. Uh, Ash Tyler going all in on, I am extremely Klingon. Because yes. originally, because Vok was that anyway. Yes. Vok was already insecure Klingon about how truly Klingon he was. And now it could not be more that on every level. Yes. Um, him and Worf should hang out. Him and Worf should hang out. <laughs> Yep. They'd have a great time. They'd probably have a fight. Yes, absolutely um, <laughs> they'd fight, but they'd probably get over it afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and he discovers that the real thing going on is uh, that there's a child. Uh, Laurel and Vok had a child, and the uncle is keeping it uh, keeping it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Ash goes to Laurel and is like, how are you keeping this from me? Why are you like having a, there's a child and you never told me? And Laurel's like, uh... I haven't even seen it. Like this, this is we can't go there for political reasons. So like, I didn't know how to tell you. But it's not like I'm. It's not like I'm getting to see the child either. This is a messed up situation because we've got to like hold the empire together, and this would be a weakness for us. Um, and so this, uh, uh, they talk about this. They decide no, they will no longer make these compromises. They will go back and get their son, and they will bring the empire together, and everything will be fine. Ron Howard voice. They go there. The uh, the uncle's dead. The baby's gone. You know, and a hologram of this fucking fake Cole Cole's dad, Cole guy. I don't remember his name right now. What is it? Uh, is it Kosha? Yes. There is an amazing bit right before this where Laurel's like, I always thought that our love was greater than that of Kalos and Lucara, which is maybe the most like teenagers in love thing you could ever say about yourself. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's amazing. Laurel is constantly on her bullshit. I love her so much. Laurel's got a Tumblr. Yes. Uh, God. <laughs> Laurel's good. Yes. Um, so Cole's there like, yo, uh, I just wanted to find out your political secrets when I, uh, clearly bugged you with that face paint I had on. Yes. My um, face paint full of nanomachines. <laughs> my face paint full of nanomachines. I just wanted to do regular espionage, but apparently you had a secret child. So look who wins. Uh, um, Laurel was actually hiding a child. <laughs> Laurel was hiding a child. Uh... So they uh, they go to confront him, pretend to surrender, immediately don't do that and fight. They kill everyone, and then he's like, uh, well, fuck this, I'm going to stun you both and paralyze you and force you to sign over the Empire to me. Um, so they do, uh, but obviously, who could appear? Uh, but appearing in the preview last week, uh, the Emperor Giorgio, who was like, uh, yeah, no, we're not having the Klingon Empire change hands again. So this is not happening. I'm going to assassinate everyone here uh, and tell you what to do because I'm second 31 and I can do that. Fuck you. Um, and as part of telling Laurel what to do, uh, Lorel- we then cut back to her um, at the chamber again, revealing that the public narrative for this shall be that Ash Tyler Vok has betrayed the Empire uh, and killed this child. Uh, and she holds up both their heads uh, to emphasize how this is definitely true. Um, and Laurel is left alone on Kronos, 
having sacrificed all of this and now her control of the empire is assured but she has lost everything to do so specifically that uh kolshar is like helped her and fought off uh ash tyler and killed him for her and died so they have like he's a hero unified the klingon empire further by villainizing the others yes um and i'm sure this is going to go very well for everyone down the line uh we cut to a section 31 ship obviously where Giorgio and ash are because ash is obviously not dead uh as he beams um his his child down to the surface of the like uh what's the they had the planet had a name boreth where the oh, monasteries boreth, are. Where the are we yes. know about boreth we do know about boreth um and he's uh he's like we're just gonna give him away uh the monks will raise uh will raise him he will never know me this is not i'm not happy about this but this is the only option right now uh and now he is on section 31 um he's on the ship with uh with Giorgio. yep and leland and leland but leland doesn't yes. really matter that right now right now i'm sure he'll matter soon yeah uh, Leland, if you don't know, was in the deleted scene from the end of season one of Discovery. He's I recognized the him. Who recruited Jarju uh, into Section Thirty One, uh, which did not take much. <laughs> also, actively implied now that just people in the Federation of this era know what Section Thirty One is, because the minute mm-hmm. she holds up the badge, she's like, "Oh, Section Thirty One. I've never seen one of these badges before, but I've heard about it." Yep. And he's like a lieutenant who did meant nothing. <laughs> he was lieutenant. He, um, you know, he he went fishing. <laughs> yeah he really liked fishing on earth <laughs> he had no personality besides a love of fishing oh it is never not funny to me uh the ash tyler being fake was a theory that everyone had based on the fact that his personality was so boring it couldn't be real and then it turned out to be true but he was also real <laughs> yes <laughs> like all that stuff was just true yeah. he really does like fishing uh, and that's the episode. It does not hold together as an hour of television, but there's a lot of like interesting things within it. Yes, it's clearly like the moving pieces to continue to give you episodes of Star Trek in the framework of what modern television needs to be. Mm-hmm. Like, we get New Eden because this episode's a fucking mess, and hopefully next episode will continue to be a cool story on its own. Seems like it might be. Um, I'm fine with that if that's the, like every two or three episodes we have one that's just a thousand moving pieces that don't necessarily hold together, but are just like the backbone of everything else happening on top of it. Yep. Uh, and I really like the uh, the Michael and Amanda stuff. I thought that was like yeah. legitimately so, great. As much as I think this is like a bad hour of storytelling, I enjoyed all of it. Every second. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, like you can look at it as a weekly structured hour of television, but most of the individual parts are really good and interesting. Um, yeah. The Klingon stuff moves too fast, but you know. Well, it, this is the most modern prestige television dropped in to say hello for this episode. <laughs> like, God, there's a whole season of Klingon plots in three in, a, in one of three plots for one week. Yep. Uh, like, goddamn, we're not going to be spending a, as much time on Kronos as I thought this season, I guess. I mean, if I was writing the show, I would have had this episode be entirely the Klingons and just, like, done a Klingon-style opening at yes. the front. <laughs> of course you would. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> would it have had, like, the same melody in the theme changes with, like, different instrumentation? Mm, or I just, don't have... You know, I'd probably do, like, a reorchestration of, like, some of the Klingon music in, like, DS9 or TNG. Okay. So you go all the way, like, completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, they, they do the equivalent. They they get Lorel to say previously on on Klingon. Yes. And there's a bunch of weird, like, not quite gags, but bits about them going between English and Klingon. Mm-hmm. I like that stuff. There's, there's one where... Uh, one of the people just starts speaking to her in English. She's like, oh, are we talking English now? Is that what we're doing? And he's like, well, what are you? What, you're under Federation control. Of course, this is what we're doing. You're corrupting our culture. And then there's one where she's giving a speech in uh, Klingon with subtitles. And then the subtitles switch to Klingon as like the show just puts her in English because it's easier for the audience to handle. Yep. It's good. Yep. A um, lot of Klingon stuff. How do you feel about the new design Klingons? Uh, they got hair. It's it's mostly fine. Um, I'm not really a guy. I, I, the, the Klingon design from last season was always a bit weird. Um, mm. But I got used to it. I think the main characters all come out mostly fine. Um, I think Laurel looks great. 
like yeah, Lorel looks all great. Her everything. Um, I liked uh, Kolsha. I thought his like version of like old man Klingon looked very much like if you just wanted to like turn up the makeup intensity on T- like DS9 style Klingons, you would get that character. Yes. Um, so I, I'm I'm fine with. I'm glad they've got hair. I think yes. it does a lot to just make them look like Klingons now. Yes. Though the one that just has like the little like wharf style Fu Manchu mustache, this has to go. This is not doing it for me. <laughs> no. no it's, it's definitely a bit Star Trek 6 and how we've got money, yes. so we're going to give everyone different hair. And it's yes. a bit like, nah, it's, it's fine. Really, guys, it's fine. Yes. But then you add like a whole new version of racial ambiguity stuff to this by some of these Klingons just look like weirdly like yellow peril archetypes, which, which like, is what General guess, Chang was like in Star Trek six. Yeah, like this this is pulling for stuff, but that's the reason they're not all just, you know, they were just like blackface at one point, guys. Yes. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Um, I think the costuming and design of like her villa is amazing though i love the like new klingon outfits all of her dresses are amazing uh i think the chrono stuff is also the most that um the most since i think episode whatever that that really early episode of discovery was where the uh planet was a single room um of tng style like we're on chronos it's this single set with a view yes Uh, because she gives that speech to the assembly um and it's like they then zoom in on the one chamber with her and four other guys yes. there. <laughs> but also, her villa has a garden where it constantly snows ash, which is fucking cool as hell. Uh, the Klingons are cool. Yes. The Federation is boring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, we've got a, we've got a table in this room. It's all kind of gray. Oh, look at us. Yep. There's 17 screens in this room, all showing the exact same thing. <laughs> all showing the exact same thing. Yeah, no, obviously. God. When we need to do a run, it gets dark. <laughs> you know, for no good reason. <laughs> for no good reason. Uh, Burnham contacting Ash and immediately just going, like the beard, is maybe the meanest thing Michael Burnham's ever done. <laughs> uh, she knows how to, how to be. <laughs> I like I like his whole look. My partner, as soon as he showed up, was like, "Oh, he's like Jason Momoa," <laughs> which is the meanest thing anyone's ever said. It's a, it's a ridiculous beard. Because like Ash, I think Ash Tyler look Ash Tyler's look is okay, especially when he's got his like glam leather daddy Dracula cape on. Yes, the, the but Dracula the minute cape you compare him it. to like an actual like good looking star like Jason Momoa, it just looks like the fucking amateur hour. <laughs> I mean, that's always been what's kind of been, like, adorable about Ash, because compared to everyone else in the show, he's just, like, a gormless dude. Yeah, and, like, it's like, I, oh, here's, here's like, a bunch of leading men and women who are clearly going, could be the stars of any show that they wanted to be, and Ash Tyler's here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, it, it worked for him in the, in the first season. It's like, uh, he's like, hey, I'm just a normal, I like fishing. Hey, Burnham, you want to talk, you wanna, you wanna yes, talk to but me? But now he's the right-hand man of the Chancellor of the Klingon Empire. And he's screaming, remain Klingon at the top of his lungs and, like, headbutting people. Yes. <laughs> With his absolutely, like, probably needed another pass on uh, making it even beard. <laughs> yes. Uh, no one has ever been more fake it till you'll make it than Ash Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <sighs> How long till uh, it is revealed that he is totally spying on Second 31 for Laurel? Oh, like fucking probably the end of the season. Probably end of the season. <laughs> yeah, there's I think no they're way. not. I don't think they're not going to come back to this for a while. But that's true. But there's no way the season ends without them going. You can't show up on our back garden and say this is who has to be in charge of the Klingon Empire. Fuck off. So this albino child of the emperor or the chancellor is this the albino Klingon from DS Nine, or is this just a random monk that Worf is someday going to train under on Boreth? <laughs> Which is a better fate for this child? Um, I I I didn't even consider this was the the Klingon from DS Nine. It, it probably totally doesn't c- line up time wise. No, it does because remember the Klingons from TOS that were on DS Nine. Yeah, like they encountered him, but they were adults in TOS time, and it's like it's like what like five years bef- until then. Yeah, nine years, whatever. Uh, I guess okay, right? You're right. I, I guess he would have to be like old. Yeah, unless, unless like, three of the most storied Klingons in the Klingon Empire and Curzon Dax were screwed over by a child, which I want to see that episode. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? 
Uh, that would fucking rule. Yeah. <laughs> they had this blood oath for like 150 years about this time a kid fleeced them. <laughs> and it's Ash Tyler's kid. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, this is just kind of now. <laughs> this yeah. just has to be true. No, that's way better. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else before we wrap this up? Um, so... Is the implication that uh, the Section 31 ship, like, flipped upside down and was, like, masquerading cloaked as, like, a bird of prey or something? Because that shot makes it seem like it is changing its configuration, but we don't necessarily see the original, like, full look of it. Um, I didn't read too much into it. I, I just read it as, like, oh, it's a cool transformy ship. Well, yeah, because it's, like, it's nacelles literally flip up, like, upside down as the ship rotates 180 degrees, and then, like, some weird shimmery effects going on on the hull, and then it looks like a Federation ship once it's, like, flipped over. Mm, I guess, I mean, that that, that is... So, a, so like, very... whatever its stealth mode is, Masquerades is, like, a non-Federation ship. Oh, for sure. It does not just look like a random ship. Yes. Uh, uh, also... The lighting. Yes, so will. Section 31 needs to get an electrician to fix their bridge lights, because... <laughs> They cut to this amazing, like, ludicrous bridge that is, like, two stories and doesn't even seem to have a command chair. Uh, I assume that they're all, like, we are all in this together fucking libertarians on Section 31. Of course they are. So there's no captain. There's just whoever is in charge of this mission. Um, but the lights just flicker because it's ominous. It's, like, like this nebulous, like, flashy light. Like, above every door are two lighting panels that, like... S- throb on and off in sync with each other this is not a way to like conduct business people are standing on that bridge in eight hour shifts trying to do work i i at first i was like is this the bridge this engineering what's going on here because it's got the view screen but the view screen's on the top level where there's no like sitting down it's just a it's just a walkway so maybe the rest of the bridge is like underneath Um, my assumption is that this this just doesn't have a normal command structure because section 31 is ridiculous the idea that Section 31 would be like, oh, no, we are all equal here in fascism. Yes. <laughs> too good. We recruited you because you're the strongest and the best. We're not going to put you in a command hierarchy. Leland's in charge of this mission, but everyone else here is uh, comrades in arms against any evil to assail the Federation. This is absolutely so, how they operate. Are you kidding Section me? Section 31 is just fucking Valve. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm, scr- I'm scrubbing through. There is totally, uh, like... A standing desks on the underside, uh, on the like bottom bit of the bridge. Yeah. Uh, oh, I bet no... there are. You know what they say about standing desks in Star Trek? It always goes well. Yeah, yes. Seemingly only standing desks because I mean, uh, regular Star Trek bridges all have the like standing platform for just because they need differences in blocking. But this is all standing bridges, uh, all standing desks. Yes. No, no seating, no central place to look, no command, just some guns. Yes. Um. Uh, the other thing worth pointing out, when Georgie shows up disguised as an alien with a murder drone with her, uh, which is all very funny, uh, she, like, uh, Ash Tyler's like, oh, nice to see you, Emperor. And she's like, I'm not Emperor anymore. I'm not, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm Philip Georgie, retired Starfleet captain, Federation security consultant, which is the most ominous thing anyone's ever said. Uh, she is. What do you? Uh, yeah, she's not, no. There's no emperor. She couldn't be an emperor. She's no yeah, Federation there's emperors. no emperor. Yeah. Uh, and then she also says she hates kids. But then there's the bit on the Section Thirty One ship where she's like trying not to get caught looking at the baby, like cooing at it, which is very good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm excited for more Section Thirty One bullshit. Yeah. I wonder if we'll see them again, or if this is just oh, we, they, we have to. We've seen. We've seen. There was a fake thing in the preview last episode where it definitely showed Georgiou on Discovery talking to Burnham, which is not in this episode. Oh, good. Well, I mean, I know but, uh, Georgiou's going to be in this season a lot more. Yes. Because um, I imagine there's just lots of stuff yeah. uh, with this plot. Because I know people are suspecting that, oh, this is obviously the backdoor pilot type thing. And possibly, but I, you know, they would not have built that set if they're not getting used out of it right now. Yeah. Also, uh, Georgiou references that there's some someone high up in section 31 called control that is decided ash tyler must be uh like recruited into it i mean he's now a human with klingon strength 
Yes, but so, the idea that Section 31 is led by a mysterious figure called Control is maybe my favorite thing in the entire world, Jackson. Uh, um, let me tell you about the 60s. Yeah, I know. Let me tell you about the 60s. The 60s are here, and it's Control. Control has yep. a message for you. Yes. God, if Section 31 show is just like the prisoner but in space, I will fucking lose my mind, Jackson. <laughs> Ash Tyler and Philippa Georgiou in a fucking fake prisoner. Please give me this. They, they, they're going to give you it. Oh. God. We're only three episodes in. You <laughs> know. A lot happened this episode. Yeah, what a wild season so far. Yep. Star Trek's good. Even when it's bad, it's exceptionally good because there's plenty to talk about. Yeah, no, there's much more to talk about this week than last week. <laughs> yep. I love it. Yeah, so thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll be back next week. You know where to find us. Patreon.com slash neural mapping. Yes. Uh at this point, it seems probably likely that we're not gonna do a book until Discovery ends. Maybe that'll change. We're really busy this month, so that's part of the reason. Yeah, there's two um, game clubs. Uh, if you're not listening to our game podcast, I've normally Yeah, and we're prepping we're like we just finished with one Your Uncle's Beach House was our anime show, and we're prepping for another one in early March, so we're busy. Uh, and then we got another JRPG in March. It's yeah, there's but a lot I would yet. really like. Hopefully, maybe by the end of February or early March, we can get to that Star Trek book because I really want to start those. I don't want to wait till Discovery's over. So mm-hmm. I'm yeah, I I agree. But God, we got a lot to do. Yeah, we're we got a lot to do. Like when we decide to do the uh, like the SOS book, it's basically like most of a week of work to get prepped for that. Yeah, because we got to read a book. <laughs> got to read a book. You got to read a book. I mean, these books are like kind of short, right? The TNG ones. Uh, well, they're, they are, I think so, because they are split, there's two parts to all of them, but they could just yeah. be really long, but I, I yeah. have to assume that means they're kind of short. Yeah. Let's talk about the Traveler. Yeah. Find out what happened after Wesley Crusher, after Wesley Crusher went on a vision quest and gained mystical powers. I'm sure it went really well for him. Do you think they ever bring up Picard's blood guilt in the treatment of his, like, ancestors towards Native Americans? I 100% think we get the embarrassment, the embarrassing overcorrection in a book form as they try to like readdress what was already trying to readdress weird guilt. Okay. We'll get there when we talk about that. We'll we have a there. lot to talk about when we, God, that's going to be a mess. <laughs> sure is. All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you very so, much for listening. Yeah. Until next week, we will of course see you out there. <laughs>